Now, welcome to another inspiring edition of Sound Insight with Dr. Tom Kern. Good morning. Welcome to Sound Insight. This is Tom Kern. It's great to be with you today. It is now the third week of Advent. I can't believe it. And I'm here with Father Jeff Lewis. I can't believe that either, Father Lewis. <laughs> I can. I just saw you earlier today. Let's go. Nice to be with you at Mass this morning. Uh, welcome, Father. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, we're actually recording this on the Feast of St. John of the Cross. So we've got lots to talk about, which again, it's a total surprise to you what's going to happen. But you're in great expectation. You're in an Advent, Advent mode, because I'm coming. I'm coming, Father. All right, back in a minute with Sound Insight. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a, a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Welcome back to the program. We're going to begin with a scripture reading and a prayer led by Father Lewis. Our scripture passage is part of the Isaiah text that we have on the third Sunday in Advent. I rejoice heartily in the Lord, in my God is the joy of my soul. For he has clothed me with a robe of salvation and wrapped me in a mantle of justice, like a bridegroom adorned with a diadem, like a bride to be decked with her jewels. As the earth brings forth its plants and a garden makes its growth spring up, so will the Lord God make justice and praise spring up before all the nations. But in gracious God, as we are now halfway through the season of Advent, drawing ever closer to Christmas, we rejoice as well in the coming of the birth of uh, your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And we ask your blessings and the graces that he has merited for us uh, to be bestowed upon all of us as we continue our Advent journey. All this we ask through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks a lot, Father Lewis. I appreciate that uh, beautiful prayer. Just to let's kind of get level set. You know what that phrase is? No. Get level set. You've never heard that? No. Actually, getting level set is, all right, let's kind of come up to date, come up to speed on where we're at. Let's kind of take stock of our current reality. Okay. So let's get level set on how your advent's going. Okay. My advent? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I didn't to my sorrow, didn't make as much of a deliberate uh, effort to to remove myself from uh, added busyness and goings-on of parish life that I was able to really do successfully last year uh, for Father, one reason you're, or another. Are you a dancer? Like, you're just dancing here. You know, <laughs> say, so far, I've completely failed. <laughs> and I've allowed myself to be caught up in Xmas rather uh, than Christmas. I know. It. Well, I've been uh, attentive to my prayers and to the liturgy and so on, so it's not like I'm just caught up in the busyness of the world, but I try to reduce, like, for example, spiritual direction meetings and uh, parish um, meetings and things, which are all good and for the life of the parish. And um, But um, nonetheless, like, you know, it's not like I've forgotten about Advent or, or anything. I just have not immersed myself into the stillness and the silence of Advent that I've uh, actually been preaching about to my parishioners. So, you know, doctor, heal thyself, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know what, I... Maybe I was like just looking in a mirror too much when I was speaking to you, because so far I experienced a tremendous failure of not living up to the ideal 
that I had for my advent. And I always wrestle with that. I always wrestle with, okay, was that ideal from the Lord? And he was using this to show me how weak I am and how much I need to be humbled. Or is that ideal really just from me? And the Lord is like, get over yourself. Stop establishing ideals that make sense to you, oh, superhero (laughs) desiring goal and humble yourself and be more open to let me set goals that you actually are going to have the capability of doing. Or is it somewhere in the middle? Sure. Right? Mm-hmm. Do you ever wrestle with that? Yeah. Um, or even know people that wrestle with that. Certainly I know others that wrestle with that. You know, a lot of the folks who see me for spirit direction that frequently comes up. How do I know if I'm trying to exert my will or if I'm trying to respond to what I perceive as God's will? So there's that tension that people sense as they're trying to be strengthened in their in their lives of faith and and I feel that too um so yeah I know what you're talking about so do you is there a way that for instance if you would just give me some live spiritual direction here okay I set this goal and this goal was around prayer fasting and other activities mm-hmm. I wanted to pray more and especially have more silent prayer um, make it to mass every day and that's just a matter of being intentional and a fast, I I hate to say out loud what my intention was, which was to do a water fast for Advent. Oh. The whole three weeks. It's like three weeks. This works. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and then the, let's see, what was the last one? Oh, oh, yeah. And basically, if I'm going to do those things, it's going to naturally uh, diminish my attraction to and, and, and giving time over to um, using the internet, mm-hmm. right? I, I don't use the internet for bad things, but just even just time on the internet, right? Like mm-hmm. my most common activity is chess, mm-hmm. right? That's not an evil, but if it's a good that is not going to bring me closer to God, should I be playing chess on the internet, right? Sure, yeah. During Advent, could get rid of it. All right. So, so far I've failed, 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 and failed. Okay. <laughs> so, the easiest one was I didn't make it 21 days. I don't think I made 21 hours of my water fast. Oh. So that that was a fail. Uh, and then I can go from there. So was I just being a superhero, Tom? Or is the Lord just revealing to me my humility and my need to rely on him more? Where would you start with me? Um, I, it's probably a mixture of both. And I would first uh, try to uh, encourage and console that um, I think some people— uh, maybe yourself included, myself, I'm tempted to this, that if I have these high lofty goals to last a whole season and I fail on day one, okay, well, day two, start over. You know, we always have this chance to start over and the Lord is gracious and merciful. So um, pare it back down and see this this moment as a, as a new start and to try again. So that to ward off discouragement and just like, you know, well, I failed on day one, might as well just not even try. Yeah. Um, the other, then, so then the next thing is, okay, so um, maybe maybe it was a bit more than, you know, you bit off more than you could chew. I, I wouldn't be able to assess Did you just that. say regarding my fasting, I bit off more yeah. than I can chew? Did you just, did you just go there? That was good. I sure did, yeah. That was good. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say that to someone if I didn't really know them because I don't know what, what, what it would be for them to bite off more than they can chew. Like, what can they handle? If someone is like, all right, I'm ready to re-embrace my Christian faith again, and they've been gone for 20 years, 
and they're going to propose something like you just proposed, but like you're going to set yourself up for frustration and failure. So why don't we just work on like regular prayer five minutes each day, kind of, right. you know, milk, milk for the babes and, 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 and meat that we can chew for the adults kind of a thing. Uh, but knowing you, I would think, I don't know if you'd bit off more than you could chew because you've done these things before. So you know that you can do them. Then the tension is, well, now am I doing them on my own will and inspiration, or is God in- inspiring me to do to do something like this? As we're praying and asking the Lord in prayer or discerning, like, what would you have me do? I think that the um, the biggest key to understanding if some proposal we have in mind is what God is going to kind of give his stamp of approval on is what what triggers this uh, deep-seated sense of peace in our hearts. Like, that just makes sense. Mm-hmm. It, you know, maybe I'm filled with anxio- anxiousness or uncertainty or whatever about the water fast, but these other ones, okay, those make sense. I, I'm feeling peace about that. That could be your answer, to pursue that but not this, um, whatever that may be. And it's hard. I don't know how to describe that sense that of, of peace that only God can give, except to say it's just something that makes sense. And I think that people, if they, if you felt it, you know what I'm talking about, and you'd be able to verbalize it according to how how you can describe it for yourself. Mm-hmm. But that's just the best I can do is yeah. you know, the, see, the the sense of peace only Christ can give. I like that. That's good. Uh, so to summarize, the, the first insight is start afresh. Yeah. Every day, start afresh. I like that. I did that yesterday. Started afresh. I did it again today. Started afresh. Right, so I was at mass this morning. Uh, you saw me. I don't always go to St. Mary's uh, for my daily mass, sure. but um, I the seven in the morning ones work better for me than the five thirty at night. Yeah. Uh, so the other thing that I've done is I've said, okay, is it that I establish too lofty a goal, or is it that the lofty goal acts as a really kind of ruthless or rigorous, vigorous exposer mm-hmm. of areas in my life that say, no, you have opportunity here. You have an opportunity here to improve. You're not going to achieve those goals. Maybe they are from the Lord if you keep doing that, mm-hmm. right? So everything starts with, folks, I don't know if this works for you, but everything starts with what time you go to bed at night. Mm-hmm. And if you go to bed um, like with your physiology, physiologically in a good condition, and what's happened to me in Advent is I have found myself going to bed later than I intended. And I'm like, well, why? Basketball. Mm-hmm. I'm coaching the girls' varsity team at uh, Chesterton Academy. And you do realize that the fate of mankind <laughs> rests upon how well the girls' basketball team does. Oh, yeah. At least if you look at my schedule... It will seem to be the case that that's what's at stake. Well, I believe it's in chapter 23 of the book of Revelation. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're funny. So I would say that I am struggling. What's my struggle? What The struggle that's been revealed is, oh, I want to do a great job for the girls, which is going to be a great thing for the school in terms of culture, and it'll be a great thing for the families that are involved. So do you know what this is really, this is called? A really good rationalization. Uh, Are you loving it? Are you buying it? Are you buying what I'm selling? No, you haven't mentioned God yet. (laughs) Yeah, but that's why, see, because I'm helping these young ladies approach basketball through the lens of faith. There we go. They're daughters of God, (laughs) and they're going to be fine young women, and they'll be better at basketball. And 
I'm really proud and proud and not the best way uh-huh. of saying, oh, we're going to be so clever. We're going to win. So, and also just, I didn't realize what I was signing up for. I didn't realize that it was going to take this much time. Yeah. I'd coached for the you know last several years, but it didn't take this much time or whatever factors, right? So I'm like, okay. And if only I had like the Holy Spirit speaking into my life to reveal this to me. Oh, wait a minute. I do. It's called Carrie. So <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, how many hours are you actually given to this? Do you really think you should be giving this many hours to this right now when we have these other things to be doing? Right. Mm-hmm. So I want to say, brothers and sisters, pay attention to the things that are in your life that might be crowding out God-given ideals for this Advent season. Yeah. So I, I think that that was that's one, right? Yeah. So and then saying, well, what can I? And and that the physiological thing is, I'm staying up later. Well, guess what? I need to stay up later. Coffee. Oh. So I'm drinking coffee late at night. And if I'm watching a video of a basketball game to, to strategically prepare, well, I just might have some junk food. Like, oh, let's have some popcorn and a and you know some 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 sparkling water. Well, that's not healthy. Yeah. So now all of a sudden, my eating is going badly. I'm putting caffeine into my body. I'm staying up later. That means getting up earlier. I'm really tired. I don't have as much energy. That means I'm not praying well. Oh my goodness, I miss mass. Mm-hmm. Terrible. It's, yeah. The Basically, what I'm saying is basketball is demonic. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> Was that is that the right conclusion here, Father? No, but uh, you know, <laughs> I, well, maybe I don't know, but uh, no, it's not. Uh, yeah, but what you're describing is you know being more prudent and temperate in um, in deciding what are the higher priorities that that need to be. What are the big rocks? Do you know that metaphor? Mm-hmm. Um, Tell I mean, me, I, I want to hear for yeah. the hey. Let's get level set. Uh, yeah, what, um, get rid of the big rocks. Yeah. What does that mean? The big rocks. So imagine you got a container. The big rocks are like the non-negotiables in life. Like these must be there, and um, and then you start to fill in your container with smaller rocks. They fill in the gaps between the big rocks, and then you can um, you can fill in the gaps with sand, and then you can pour water in it. So you can see how full that container gets. You thought it was full with the big rocks, but there's spaces in between. Now you want to flush all that out because now it's just dense and packed and full and too much too heavy to carry. But the big rocks are the big priorities. So, you know, you know, I I try to coach people in spirit direction. Like, what is what is the big rock? Let's look at vocation. Number one, the universal call to holiness. That's the number one vocation. So what's taking away from your pursuit of that? And then number two, your capital V vocation. So if you're a married person, you know, if you're taking away from your attention to your spouse and your children, then then something's amiss. And then you start to go from there. So the big rocks got to be in place, the non-negotiables. And here, maybe one of those big rocks is, um, you know, um, hell or high water. Um, that's a phrase that involves a swear word. Sorry about that. But, but um, you know, this is the bedtime because I know what I need for bedtime to be functional the next day. And um, and if some things just need to be uh, ordered accordingly, then so be it. For me, one thing I know I need to do to be able to get to bed on time and get to sleep on time is a screen fast. Uh, so fasting from my phone, from the computer, from other things, um, and just reading a book. And I learned this actually from our seminary here, at, uh, Bishop White here in Spokane. It's actually mandated as part of the rule of life for the house that the seminarians will have a screen fast beginning an hour before lights out kind of a thing. And um, and that is to discharge them and to detach them from the screens, which have that physiological effect on the brain. 
and can keep us awake because we're not able to go to sleep so fast. So this is what I mean by how can we rightly order these things and then the fortitude to follow through with that. That's really good. I like that. that that's a great, uh, Father. I appreciate your your thoughts. That's Father Jeff Lewis. This is Tom Kern. We're talking about we're talking about Advent and uh, assessing, evaluating. Right. We're, we still have a final week here. Right? So this is uh, the beginning of the third week of Advent, and I'm so glad we had that Pink Candle Sunday. Isn't that what it's called? Pink Candle Sunday. Rose, everybody. Rose candle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was setting you up for that, right? You do know that. All right. When we come back, we're going to learn a little bit about Pink Candle uh, no, Rose Candle Sunday. It has a special name. It has a special meaning. And then I, I've got a couple more questions for Father Lewis today on the program. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com. drtomcurran.com. Welcome back to the program. Do not get discouraged. Do not get discouraged if you're struggling with your Advent. If you're having a great Advent and you're achieving the, the purposes for which you set out and you're just really happy, you probably didn't set high enough goals. Just kidding. Uh, maybe, in fact, you follow God's grace, which is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, and so in Advent, Advent is all about clearing away the blockages, right? It's about getting the house ready. Mm. So you arrived, Father, in our house. Uh, it's Thursday morning. We're recording this on the Feast of St. John of the Cross. What was Carrie doing? She was working on some kind of a Christmas calendar display with uh, Christmas cards y'all received, some kind of craft. Yeah, Getting the house ready yeah. for the imminent arrival of? The pack of turns coming home tonight. <laughs> from Franciscan University. Yeah, they're finishing their finals uh, on Thursday of last week, and then they get on a plane, and then they fly home. And so this has been a bit stressful. Uh listened on last Friday's program, they had a chance to hear Carrie talk a little bit about getting your house prepared. And that's what we're supposed to do, get our house prepared for the coming of Christ. Father, last week I talked about one of the um, most important ways that we help get our house in order, get our lives prepared for the coming of Christ in our lives, and that's through confession. Yeah. Uh, would you agree with that? Uh, let's think about it I'm talking about an easy, here's a softball, Father. Gee, Father, do you think confession is helpful in helping folks get ready for the coming of Christ into their lives? Why, yes, Tom. Tell me more. Yeah, absolutely crucial. You know, um, it, it, this is because why the whole process of confession, beginning with before we even enter into the confessional, examining our conscience and doing the deep dive there, like not just, you know, um, scrubbing off the 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 plate, but but really getting it cleaned and polished and put on the table to prepare for the banquet. Um, so do the the deep diving in what do I need to confess? Not just the sins I've committed, but the good things I failed to do or sins of omission. Um, and 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 really just get that get get that soul scoured and get get the 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 temple of the Holy Spirit, which is our bodies, which is our lives, our souls. Get that prepared. Uh, in a particular way for the for the arrival of Christ, and um, and then and then go through the process of confession. 
I place so much uh, importance on it in our retired priests and residents at St. Mary, Father Mike as well. We are adding confession times uh, during the final week of Advent, which we do each each year, so that there's plenty of opportunity at different times of the day throughout the week, so that you know, different times a day. Yeah, yeah. So a couple couple of the days it'll be like at nine a.m. Um, I think I'm doing that Friday and Saturday, um, and then um, a couple of them in the afternoon before Father Mike's evening masses. So just if you don't like to drive in the dark at night, there's some options like, uh, excuse me, later in the day, later in the week during the day. So there's hopefully something for everybody. In fact, just just you know, this week as we're recording. Uh, making a point of doing that for our school kids at St. Mary. So I go in every week at regular times to visit the classes and to teach the religion class or answer questions or whatever. But this week, in lieu of that, keeping the same time so that the flow of their curriculum is uninterrupted, uh, they'll come to the church and both of us priests are there available and we are hearing their confessions. So um, we're trying to help everybody have that opportunity for confession. And it's all about, yeah, it's, it's, you know, making the highways uh, straight, making the valleys, uh, you know, filling the valleys in, bringing the mountains low, but preparing everything um, so that the Lord can enter into us once again, completely unimpeded. I think that uh, we are moving into an age in the church where there's a, a recovery, an increased recovery of the importance of confession. Yeah. Having done church work in the uh, beginning in the late 80s, before you were born, Father, uh, <laughs> into the 90s. Uh, and it was a time where the practice of regular confession was not discussed, honestly. And in Western Washington, when I moved here with Kerry, the one of the primary forms of confession, when it happened at all, was general confession yeah. in these um, communal penance services. Yeah. And I was coming from the East Coast, coming from Boston and Washington, D.C., and, and studying in Rome. Frankly, I was just dismayed. Mm -hmm. I was dismayed at the lack of appreciation for the gift of individual confession. And I just felt like so many Catholics were robbed of a uh, of an understanding of the gift of this sacrament of healing. Mm -hmm. Do you, what's your sense of um, the faithful today around an understanding of the of this sacrament and the utilization of it? I think you're right that there is a, a culture shift, I think, going on, and we're already on the better half of that, I think, and it'll just continue to get better because— um, you know, my first, even from my first year of priesthood, when I was the parochial vicar at our cathedral, I'll never forget the the rector who was assigned there at the same time as I was arriving. So he's coming back to parish ministry after more than a decade of vocational work. Um, but he had already planned like time away because he thought he was still going to be vocations director. So anyway, it was me running the show, and I step out to hear confessions on my on my first day of work, and uh, which was a Saturday of that particular year in 2011. And, um, and I look and there's already a line down the, the, the wall of the cathedral and, and it's just me. And I'm like, well, here we go. And, uh, went in there. And, um, and so that was an indication to me that there is a culture shift. Cause when I was growing up, it was only like the pendant services. Mm -hmm. And so, which always was strange to me. Cause like, you don't want to go to confession cause you're a shame someone will see you, but then you'll go to a penance service where everyone can see you. So I, 
I just never understood that mentality. But and then when I was uh, made pastor of a small rural parish, even though it was a small rural parish, uh, had many opportunities for people to go to confession any given week or month, and um, and it was it was regularly engaged. I thought, but now at St. Mary we have three hours every week of hearing confessions scheduled, and more often than not, it goes beyond the hour. Just last night, uh, as we're recording, it's a Thursday. Last night, we have confessions Wednesday afternoons, 4.30, 5.30. And Father Mike hears the confessions, and he probably went about 10 minutes over. And that's like the norm. And um, so I think you're—and I had to add confession times to our weekly schedule to accommodate, and, um, and they're getting filled up. And it's not like we're sitting there talking for 10 minutes, giving spiritual counsel. I mean, with my school kids, because there's so many of them, like, you know, they're done, and I'll be like, okay, for repentance, do this, and I'll say an act of contrition, like, that's it. And they're still coming. Maybe that's why they're coming. I'm not giving a lot of talking or anything. <laughs> like, well, this guy's easy. Go to him. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, uh, my kids, my family, a lot of my family go to you for confession, and they don't think you're too easy on them at all. They, they, it's the right word, enjoy. Can you enjoy going to confession? I, they, I think so. They, they're drawn mm-hmm. to go to confession to you to then maybe stay away. And and that's one of those things where, um, boy, do I want to go to confession to someone who sees me and knows me, right? right. That And the fact that you're, uh, you're someone that my kids are like, no, can I go to confession to you right now? Mm-hmm. How many times have you been hijacked coming to our house <laughs> to record a radio program? And it's like, you got a line waiting outside the door. <laughs> Father, 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 Karen's are checking the box one after the other going to confession to you, which is so cool. Yeah. So if you want Father to (laughs) hear confession in your house, you get to invite him to a radio program. There you go. Or dinner. Or dinner. That'll work. Uh, And actually, that's going to lead me to the question in a few minutes here that I'm going to have for you. And I'm going to tee it up so you can have a chance to think about it. What do I get for my priest for Christmas? So think you think about that, okay? You're, you're smiling like you've already got the answer. So be careful, because whatever you say, you're going to get 13 of. So be careful. Um, so I think Aquinas, and I quote this in my book on confession, he has like 16 aspects of the act of confessing. Like what ought the act of confessing um, look like? What are the attributes of the act of confessing? Isn't that cool? Yeah. And... Uh, one of them is is that it ought to be plain, hmm. meaning specifically, in the act of confessing, it's about accusing oneself. It's about bringing out into the open what I'd rather keep hidden. Yeah. Now, I'm bringing this up because you mentioned, why would people want to go to a communal penance service? Well, the answer is, I think in part, because I can avoid coming out into the open, I can stay hidden in the crowd. Mm, And so Aquinas says, sometimes you can hide your sin in the act of confessing it. Did you hear that? Mm -hmm. Okay. How does that happen? The way that I do it Mm -hmm. is, okay, I've got a bad sin, one I'm most ashamed of. So I'm going to kind of bury it in the middle of three or four other sins yeah. and just kind of lead up, kind of leading you down the path, Father. Then I drop in the bad one and then I quickly move on to a couple other ones and now I've got them all out there. Yep. No one ever does that, right? Is it? No. Am I the only one that uses that strategy? <laughs> I can either confirm nor deny. <laughs> Break the seal. I don't want to risk that. <laughs> but I think, I that, think that's that, a, I that is the way people coming. talk. Yeah. I think that's the way people will confess. I'm not saying that, I'm not saying when I confess to you, I'm just saying, 
that that's a phenomenon yeah. that people will use. I mean, Aquinas identifies it in the 13th century, yeah. right? That yeah. when we uh, go to confession, the idea is be plain about it. Bring out into the open in simple language. By the way, do, do people have to, how many, how many details do people have to give you in order to accomplish the act of confessing? Well, I would, uh, in general, counsel folks to just, you know, the kiss rule, keep it simple, silly. So just say what you did and how many times, kind of number. You know, I don't need the context. I don't need the the details. If I feel like I do, um, so, you know, some might say, you know, I, I committed a sin against the sixth commandment. Okay. Um, I'm going to need a little more detail than that because are we talking like actual adultery, which is pretty serious and affects uh, your relationship with your spouse? Are we talking about like a lustful look at somebody that you entertained? I mean, both are sins, and there's a, dif- a difference in in severity here. So that's where I that's that's an instance where I might say you know more detail. Mm-hmm. But some people will try to couch it in a context. That's another way where they'll hide the sin itself is they'll couch it in the context. They'll tell the story, maybe even try to justify it because of this or that or the other. And um, no, just kind of number. If if more detail is needed, trust that your confessor will ask uh, for the detail. And hopefully in a prudent manner, and um, so yeah, I, I, I that's what that's what I would counsel. I don't I, I assume I need f- less detail. Less is more. Mm-hmm. I like that. It's kind of like an onion, right? Yeah. Just give enough, and then they'll say, "Well, let's peel away a little bit more, so I can understand the nature of what you're saying." Yeah. I think that's probably also in part connected to a good examination of conscience and the practice of a regular confession. If you start doing both of those things then you're less likely to either hide your sin or confess in a way that is like either too much detail or lacking in detail. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's what it would seem to me. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Father, uh, any last comments about folks who are hesitant around going to confession in this Advent season? Yeah, one more One more thing I might add is try to think of it as when we go to our doctor for like an annual physical um, you know, rather than like going before a judge or a magistrate to, you know, accuse ourselves. I know that's the language of the sacrament and the language that Aquinas uses, but that can make things look scary. Whereas, you know, going to a doctor, I'm wounded, I'm broken, I need healing. And that also helps with like the detail, you know, I've got this, um, I've got this, my, my arm hurts when I do this. Okay. So you're actually showing the doctor the detail that he needs. And if he needs more, he'll ask. And then he's going to prescribe for you. Uh, the physical therapy or the medication, whatever, to to make it better. So I th- I think when I try to tell people, try to think of it as going to a doctor. I think that I perceive anyway that seems to put a lot of people at ease. That okay, it's it's not as bad as I thought, you know. Mm-hmm. And then an advice for any priest who might happy to be listening, you know, I think um, I can't remember who said it. If anyone said this, but it was taught me in seminary. We are lions from the pulpit, but we are lambs in the confessional. And um, and people are already putting themselves through the worst kind of emotional, spiritual anguish, just getting to confession. Not that I need to be soft and easy on them, but I'm also not going to be arcing at them or anything like that. Like They're already punishing themselves. I'm just here to receive them and to guide them to Jesus through the sacrament to bring them healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. St. John Chrysostom. Oh, good. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Between the doctors of the church. Yes, that's very wise of you. <laughs> that's Father Jeff Lewis with me today. Father Lewis, um, we are up against a break, and when we come back, we're going to ask about 
What do I get my priest for Christmas? Uh, that, that is a question, right? Uh, you don't need any more Christmas cookies, but what do you need? We'll find out in a minute. Back in a minute with more Sound Insight. Welcome back to the program. So, Father, we're going to have a little extra time here. We want to, we really want to explore. <laughs> what do I get for the, for the man who has everything? So, what, what do you, Father, this is a real question. Carrie, yeah. you like to me. What do we get, Father Lewis? What do we get? What do we get, Father Nagel? What do we get the priests that are impacting our lives? What do we, what do we get for them? And uh, I don't know, what do you get for a priest? <laughs> well, I'm, a, I'm prepared to uh, receive the fullness of your laughter here, but the, the thing that would be most uh, helpful for me is money. <laughs> and people are like, what? That's the most boring thing ever. You can't personalize that and all that. But I have my reasons because... You know, here in Spokane, we've got a, a Catholic gift uh, store called Coffers, and sometimes they'll give their priests a gift card to Coffers. But believe me, if I needed something from Coffers, I would have been there by now to get it for my ministry or for myself. And so anything beyond that, I'm, you know, we'll put it to use for the parish. Or a gift card to Barnes & Noble, you know, books, you know, that's, that's money in a plastic card form. Money is just the most flexible thing. Certainly, we don't need uh, uh, booze or, or or cookies because we we're going to get that anyway. I, I mentioned in a on a homily two weekends ago that I'm loving me some Christmas cookies, and I now I'm going to get just pallets of Christmas cookies. I'm sure sent my way, and uh, we don't need that. Um, and you know, I, maybe other priests are different, but I don't. You know, a lot of stuff and things. Um, um, that's that's fine. I appreciate the the sentiment as well. But I'm also thinking at the same time, back in my mind, eventually I, the bishop's going to transfer me to another parish. And so now I have more stuff to pack and bring with me. <laughs> and so maybe I'm just a little overly practical as far as those things. I think that what a lot of priests like are not like stuff and things, but things that will uh, offer like an experience. So a gift card to a restaurant, maybe, because that's, you know, it's food. So that's good. It's an experience. Um, things like that. Um, but I, I go back to, you know, you can't go wrong with cold, hard cash, because even if I don't need the cash myself, it's flexible enough that I'd be able to use it for someone who, who could use it. So then your gift was paid forward and, you know, to help someone else. And that's a gift for me because as a priest, I like being able to help people. So, there okay. you go. well, and uh, I love that. So we had, can I tell you what we came up with for our list? Yeah. All right. So, well, we were going to say an Amazon gift card, right? But we don't really like supporting Amazon. Yeah. So, but it's flexible, mm -hmm. right? So a Walmart gift card could kind of accomplish the same thing, right? Because the Walmart has quite a broad selection and feel a little better about letting them have our money. Um, the experience thing. Uh, so that, that still might come and you have to act surprised if it happens. <laughs> um, either giving it to you or taking you to an escape room. Oh, That'd be cool. Because we know that you've done escape rooms at oh, St. Mary's. Lots. Yeah. So um, would you, we're happy to like, just give you, hey, you and five priest buddies go do an escape room. Yeah. That's one option. The other one is you and four of your favorite current kids are going to go do an escape room. Yeah. All right. So do you have a preference? Of like I, between those two options, yeah. I'm like, do 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 you have priest friends that would actually like to do an escape room? Actually, uh, my priest prayer group, we've probably done all of them that are currently available are in the right? yes. 
Oh man, we were so clever. Oh, well, you are clever. We went out to the one in Post Falls, and we found that what they changed one of their rooms. So finally, there's one we hadn't done yet, and I think they were in the process of doing another room. Okay. They set them up, and I think they leave them as long as it'll basically make money because yeah. you know it takes time and effort and money for them to change it over. But it is one of our favorite things to do. I think we. Are you it, kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Man, I thought we were clever. So. so that's why I'd love to do it with the, uh, you know, the current kids but if versus you my know it, That's not fun. Yeah, but I mean, maybe there's maybe they there's one we can find. New ones. Yeah, maybe they must come up with new ones. They, yeah. um, like, uh, did you go to the one in downtown Coeur No. Okay. There's one in. I think there. Uh, let me see if it's still open. But right okay. on Sherman, there was. Okay. There was one that opened up. All right. We'll do that one. So if there's one, okay. <laughs> I, well, we'll give it to your priest group because okay. if they, if you guys enjoy doing it. I just didn't know if you know, like you got these grumpy priest friends who are like, "What are, what are we doing here? <laughs> you know, we'll we'll meet you out at the restaurant afterwards, right?" Um, have you ever done? Um, gosh, oh sorry, what the version of um, an escape room that is in a board game? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So do you do those? Yeah. In fact, um, what I do was, call those. Um, I think they just call them escape rooms. Still. Escape, escape rooms. room board game. Yeah. Um, I was wondering why would they do this because once you do it, it's like, well, we just now we did it. You know, what's the surprise? You, you but, pass them around. Yeah, so you can do that. But also, they're getting clever. Some of them are like the 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 basic things that you might need for any version of a game is there, but then it's also attached to an app. Yeah. And so the app they can change the details as far as that goes. And I thought that's a creative that way to do it. Okay, yeah. so we have about six or seven okay. of those escape rooms. Okay. And um, we've done them all. I, I don't know if the kids have done them all, but maybe we can have you up to do an escape room. Yeah. Or we'll just we'll we'll give it to you. We'll we'll have you do one with us, and we'll give you one yeah. to be able to do with your priest friends. So that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Okay, ready? You're gonna get 37 escape room <laughs> board games. So all right. So that was one. Um, I was like, well, Carrie's like, well, what about you know a gift card to a movie theater? I, I know that you enjoy watching movies, but yeah. not in Advent. Not in Advent. <laughs> but would you just prefer watching them at home versus going to a theater? I like I like going to a theater. Um, I've done it twice for sure this year, maybe three times. I can't remember if I saw one in the spring, but um, yeah, I, I like I like going out to the theater. I like I like doing that with uh, you know friends because then we can grab a dinner or lunch depending on when we, the movie is uh, before or after. So it becomes more like a, a communal event. Mm-hmm. You know, it's weird to just go to, I think, go to a movie and only the movie with a group of friends. It's like, we're not really doing anything. We're all facing the same way watching a movie. Right. I might as well do that at home. Yeah. But when he, uh, we tend to, you know, my priest friends, we tend to attach it with something else that okay. we'd like to do. So we could get like a, we have those uh, restaurant cards that mm-hmm. can, are basically good at a bunch of restaurants. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then associate that with the like AMC yeah. downtown Spokane, yeah. uh, you know, gift card, something mm-hmm. like that, or down in Riverside, mm-hmm. uh, River Edge, uh, in uh, Coeur d'Alene. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, they've got a theater down there too, with some restaurants nearby. Yeah, so those are some options. Th- mm-hmm. Those could work. Okay, hey, we're we're on track here. Yeah. I feel like we did pretty pretty well. Now, there's one that we had in mind uh, that you haven't mentioned. This is funny, and I thought you would have said it. I'm kind of a little disappointed in you, Father. <laughs> okay, now this is going to get all spiritual, right? What, we, what if you wanted to say something spiritual? What would you say as a gift? Oh, have have masses said for me? Yeah, yeah. Or, of course. or we're going to pray a rosary for you as a family, or we're fasting for you, or you know, a spiritual bouquet. Yeah, yeah. I I actually do get those a lot. I'll find out that you know people have have enrolled me into the novena of masses for Christmas or something uh, like at the 
uh, Basilica of the National Shrine in D.C. And, and other places. So I definitely appreciate those. I know that, you know, I preach that the power of prayer is powerful indeed, and the Mass is the highest form of our prayer. So, you know, I've, I've said in a couple of uh, a couple of years, a great gift you can give your priest is to, maybe this is how I've enhanced the confession culture, but go to confession to your priest. You know, I'm a priest for a reason. I want to exercise my ministry to which God Wow, I've me. never heard that. Yeah, so a good gift for your priest, go to confession, yeah. Oh. So I've done that before. That's really cool. I like that. Yeah. That's really cool. You get double benefit. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. What about inviting you over for dinner? Well, that's just good all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And you're, uh, honestly, you're more uh, forthright about saying, look, I, I see a critical part of ministry being with you in your home. Yeah. And, and you're great. Folks, uh, if you invite Father Lewis, he's your priest. He's listening on the radio. You're his priest. So get ready, Father, for yeah. lots of invitations. If someone wanted to invite you, how do they do that? Well, you could uh, just contact the parish office. And uh, if I'm not there, um, our secretary, Susie, will take a message and forward it to me or forward you to my voicemail. And um, then we'll just connect as we can and find a find a way to put it. So a lot of Catholics will never have had a priest over their home for dinner. Yeah. What's the protocol? What would be some things that you'd want them to know just to be comfortable when they're having their when they're having a priest over or having their priest or pastor over? Uh, yeah. Um, well, with me, I you know some people I think you know it's oh it's like the Pope's coming over. We put him maybe. Put out the fine china and, and have the, the 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 best meal ever and all of a sudden and they make it a big old stressful thing and and um you know if if you got you know soup in a pot and uh and you know that's great too you know so I just it's I mean the food is one thing but it's the time that I get to spend with folks and um people think they gotta talk about you know holy things they're embarrassed that the dog you know Alaska jumps up on me or things like this and um, no, I mean, don't worry about that. This is, I'm, I'm getting to, I'm, I'm, I've been privileged and I'm being honored to be a part of your family for one evening. So as, as the family goings on proceed as they do, um, you know, I get to be a part of that. It's not like, it's not like when Maria Von Trapp showed up and, you know, line all, all the kids, state your names, you know, we don't have to do anything like that. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, one of my parishioners, the first time I went to their house, uh, the kids were very little at that time and they were, I thought a little too comfortable. I mean, they just met me. They're I'm at home for the first time. They're all climbing up into my lap and on my shoulders and everything else. And, and I was like, "Get off of him! What are you doing? He's never going to come back now." Mm-hmm. You know. So that was great. <laughs> well, and that could be uh, someone who's comfortable. Like yeah. they've had priests over before, mm-hmm. right? So my kids are not shy around you. No. Not shy around priests. So <laughs> they're like, "Hey, with uh, some of my kids, John Luke." He's like. What's up? No. <laughs> Hi, Father. How are you? Right. This was when he was younger. Uh-huh. What's up? Right. That is not how you address a priest. So should priests uh, should priests should uh, folks refer to you as Father Lewis or Father Jeff? I mean, I go either way. Um, I, I I really don't have a preference. I kind of go with whatever the established culture of the parish might be. So when I was up north, it was Father first name, and when I got to St. Peter on the South Hill, it tended to be Father last name. And at St. Mary, I find it's kind of a mix, but for the sake of the kids in the school who call their teachers Mr. and Mrs. last name, I go by Father Lewis for the consistency for the kids' sake, you know, at the school. And therefore, it kind of permeates out to, the, like, the whole parish. So I find that most parishioners are Father last name, but mm-hmm. I I'm, I think I think other parishioners, other priests might be a little more, um, they might have a stronger preference as far as that goes, but um, not me so much. So... I uh, last comment on that. Um, 
there there's a generation of priests, the, the one before you, that I think wanted to like maybe strip away that sense of calling someone father last name uh-huh. was distancing. Mm. And so there was a desire to say, I'm with you, I'm among you. You know, it's a, kind of like Augustine, right? Uh-huh. With you, I'm a Christian, for you, I'm a bishop. And so they would be, even take away the title father and just call you by your first name. Yeah. So you did that ever happen around here? It, it, it was a big thing in Seattle. Yeah, it, it happened. You know, up up north, um, I had a prisoner. Um, God bless him. He's he's uh, earned his reward now. Um, he and I, he and I, we didn't spar, but we were definitely like on very opposite ends of like the political and social and ecclesiastical spectrum. And so he would call me just just Jeff. And uh, I didn't try to say anything. You know, as a crusty old guy, but I I took it as a as a point of um, honor and respect that I've I, I whatever I've done, I was able to earn his honor and respect. When as he was dying, I went to anoint him. You know, he called me Father Father Jeff, and didn't make a big production of it. it that's just what came out. So I remember that very very fondly. And um, so anyway, um, you know, but that's that's one of a precious few. Some people. Some people will let it out kind of accidentally, and maybe it's folks that knew me as a seminarian and now know me as a priest, so it just kind of slips out, but they, but I don't make a big thing of it. I think it's, if some people are going to, I guess, be that um, casual about it, me making a big deal of it is, it hasn't felt like it was the prudent thing to do, try to correct them in the moment kind of a thing, and and um, and it's it, it ends up being a big nothing burger most of the time, so it hasn't been an issue. Yeah. The only priests I call by their first name are guys that I was in the seminary with. Yeah. And and they will like if they call me up, they'll say, Hey, it's Pat. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't say, Hey, it's Father Smith. Yeah. yeah. Right. So it's that's the only those are the only ones I feel comfortable with. Yeah. Uh, ever not referring to as father last name. Yeah. Or even father first name. And even even those friends of mine, I'll I'll often just say father first name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um Interesting, huh? Yeah. All right. Well, we're up against a break, Father. When we come back, more sound insight. Please stay tuned. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. It's great to be with you today. So, Father, here we are in Advent, and it's the shortest Advent. Still got a lot to cover. Yeah. It never happens on the program. <laughs> we got a lot to cover in a small amount of time. Oh, my God. So I know today we're recording on the Feast of St. John of the Cross, but I want to cover our Pink Candle Sunday. Oh, yeah. Okay, so Pink. Yeah, you you would say that. <laughs> yeah, it's rose. Why is it rose-colored? Why is it a purple? What's going on with that third candle? That Why is it rose-colored? Yeah. Well, it says the, the, the Sunday is Gaudete Sunday, which is a, a Latin word for rejoice. And so it's... It, and the um the, the version of the verb is it's a it's a in the vocative it's a command to rejoice so we're being told to rejoice and um and why why rejoice it happens again also at about the halfway point in lent and that's latare sunday in lent but also means you know to rejoice to be joyful um in any event um i tell a kid especially like in the school like we're about the halfway point from the beginning of advent to the end and so you know there's light at the end of the tunnel and so uh, rose um, in the um, or pink, if you will, in the Catholic tradition has been a color associated with with joy, kind of a subdued joy. So it's not the full on joy and glory of gold or white, 
Um, but um, but a lighter shade of that uh, end of the light spectrum, the color spectrum of purple. So you know, there's a bit of the pennant still lingering, but light at the end of the tunnel. And so we get you know we get the rose. And um, anyway, so it's it's commemorating that we are we're in the midst of this kind of this dark time of literally in the calendar year. But uh, dark time is we're doing penance, getting prepared for Christmas, and uh, but we're we're almost there. So an encouragement to keep the train rolling. Yeah. Nice. I think that uh, it the difference for me is like in the first two weeks of Advent, it's all about okay, he he's he's going to come. Right? He's coming towards us, and we're waiting with expectation. But there's something different about saying I'm rejoicing because you typically only rejoice when what happens when something arrives when he's arrived. Yeah. But there's that radical sense of confidence that I'm rejoicing now. Mm-hmm. I'm rejoicing right now, even though he hasn't come, even though I don't hear his voice, even though it's not like, oh, he's in the distance, this little figure, and he's coming. But that radical hope that says, I'm I'm actually functioning in the act of rejoicing rather than anticipating. I'm rejoicing. And it, it's it's proleptic. It's that whole prolepsis again. Mm-hmm. It's it's the um, it's the coming out into the open of something that is real but in a hidden state. So what is real and in a hidden state is that he's here. Yeah, and we just don't see him yet, but he is here, and so we rejoice over that. And he will become manifest. It's going to come out into the open that he's here. Yeah, I think that that is a radical and important spiritual stance to be able to take in people's lives, mm-hmm. especially when they're struggling, yeah. when they're overwhelmed, where they're suffering. Mm-hmm. So I uh, I love Laudate Sunday. Yeah. I just consider it so fundamentally important as a spiritual act yeah. uh, to be announcing what is true, even though it's in a hidden, hidden state. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it, you know, present but not fully here, but not yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think of a of a tangible example of that when I was in seminary in Washington D.C. and I was there in spring of 2008 when Pope Benedict came to the United States. You know, we knew he was coming, so we were excited for that. We were preparing, and then um, and then when he landed on American soil and he was being greeted at the White House, you know, we rejoiced then because he's here, but not yet because he wasn't on campus yet. And then we were in line as he was going down Michigan Avenue, um, and we could, you know, the papal, uh, you know, uh, parade, and and so then we got to see him. And then our sem- you know, my seminary, our my brothers and I, we got to greet him as he was going into one of the buildings to give one of his uh, his talks. But it was all building up, you know, kind of to that. But we were already rejoicing, and we didn't get to see him yet. But we knew he was here, you know, mm-hmm. in Washington D.C. So that's a that's kind of a a little example of how I've experienced that, you know. It's a very sound insight-like thing to do, yeah. using analogies like that. <laughs> I, I It's so funny you should say that. I have this, like, memory in my head of news reports. Like, okay, he wasn't he in Newark before he came to Washington? Who's that? Uh, Benedict. 
Uh, no, on that trip, he started in Washington and then he went to, um, um, Philadelphia. Uh, no, he went to New York. He New went York. to, uh, Spoken Yonkers at the seminary there. Okay. Yeah. So, but I think, I think he landed in the airport in Newark. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Uh, well, the reason why I have this memory, and maybe it's John Paul II, and it was an earlier trip, but there were reporters at the airports saying, we are so excited. We're waiting for the plane to land that the Pope is in. Wow. Somehow I can't imagine that happening in 2023. You have reporters breaking into regularly scheduled programming to say, we're here at the airport and we're waiting. The Pope's plane is on its way from D.C. and it's going to land here and we're so excited. And I'm like, wow, Like the world is stopping Mm -hmm. to notice the arrival of the Pope. Mm -hmm. And it just, I feel like we're... um, a million miles away from that, yeah. That way of like respecting or honoring someone like the presence of the Pope in America. Yeah, and I, I might get a byline, you know, later in the broadcast, you know, these days, but not like stop the presses. Here's the Pope. Yeah, yeah. live, live. It, it, it's nothing even happening. Just we're waiting for the plane yeah. to to arrive. Yeah. So, um, okay, so here we are, Gaudete Sunday. Um, Christ is present, but in a hidden fashion. And boy, we'd love for him to be revealed, especially when we're suffering. Let me have something to do with today's feast day and, and a, a, a saint who suffered. Do you know yeah. about that? John of the Cross, yeah. Thanks. Great doctor, great uh, a saint, great uh, doctor of the church, a Carmelite friar of the 16th century. I preached on him this morning, of course, because he's, uh, you know, it's his feast day, but partnered with St. Teresa of Avila in her great project of reforming the Carmelite order in Spain which uh, had to have been just absolutely instrumental in preserving Spain to, in large measure from the effects of the Protestant Reformation that, that touched the rest of Europe in a, ma- in a massive way. Um, but Spain largely, as I understand it, largely untouched by all that. But he had great, great heroic uh, Spanish saints at that time, those two, St. Ignatius, um, and so on. Um, so anyway... Um, I focused on, though, any of the doctor of the church, I guess his writings are still some of the finest examples of Spanish literature ever, uh, religious or otherwise. Uh, but what I focused on in my preaching was the sufferings that he endured, particularly as he's trying to help with the reform. Now, the reform efforts were approved by his superiors, but were being resisted and rejected and, and, and disgraced and shamed, he himself personally shamed, by his own brothers in his own house. So that to silence him, they they locked him in a dungeon. And from all accounts I've heard, with no intention of ever letting him out, they weren't trying to convince him to change his mind. There was like, no, you're just, we're sick of you. And so here's you live the rest of your life. And at it was Pearl a very Day. tiny room. Right. It wasn't like warm accommodations with no. three square meals a day. It was damp, tiny, like six feet by eight feet, like but, but very like little room. 15 feet with a little window on yeah. top that let the light in. Otherwise, it was dark. Yep. And in the winter, and uh, he was—he only was able to escape. And I don't know how he escaped. Actually, I'll have to look that up sometime. But uh, at great peril, uh, risk to his own life to escape, and um, and then he continued his work. But um, anyway, yeah, tremendous suffering to be—you know—to suffer like that, like the martyrs, like these are enemies. But at least my own people love me. And he's like, my own people don't even love me. You know, imagine. You know, we were talking at the beginning of the broadcast, discerning, is it my will or is it God's will? Maybe there's a sign that it's not God's will that I pursue these reform efforts. But he somehow discerned, no, I got to stay the course. This is against God's will. And and his own brothers aren't supporting him. St. Therese Favla is somewhere else. He only has God for his help. 
and um, and he prevailed. Yeah. God bless him. Yeah, God bless him. That convicting light, right? Yes. Yeah. And when he pursued the Lord, he got, you know, got brought right through the cross, right? So St. John of the cross, yeah. he won his name. Mm-hmm. Well, Father, believe it or not, we are at the end of our program. There it is. Appreciate it. Yeah. So, all right. Well, God bless you all. Uh, have a great final week of Advent. I guess the fourth week is one day. It's the, <laughs> but final full week of Advent. All right. God bless you all. Join me tomorrow for more Sound Insight.